Hey there, this is Matt Salmon and for Mike Broomhead. And I was just so enthralled uh, speaking with our next guest that I uh, wasn't watching the clock like I should. So Matt Salmon and for Mike Broomhead here on KTAR. And I have in the uh, studio with me uh, the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, uh, Ben Toma. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Ben has a, a really interesting story. Uh, he actually was uh, born in Romania. Uh, by the way, I've been to Romania. Uh, I, I was on the Helsinki Commission when I was a U.S. congressman, uh, also uh, known as OSCE, the Operation for Security and Cooperation in Eastern Europe. And every year uh, we would have a meeting of delegates, uh, predominantly from the United States and Eastern uh, European bloc countries, and one of our uh, one of our annual meetings was actually in Bucharest, and uh, so I was able to spend about a week uh, in your uh, your home country, and uh, you know you you had a harrowing example of uh, uh, coming to the United States. Can you kind of walk with our listeners through that process of what happened in your life? Sure. Well, first, a quick question. When, what, what year were you in Romania? I was in Romania in 1998. 98, okay. Yeah. So, in, uh, I was born in 78, but I was born in, in, in a place called Cluj, which you might have not have heard of. However, it is the capital of Transylvania, the region of Romania. I went to Transylvania as well. That's right. It's a beautiful country, mountainous, uh, but uh, I didn't know it was spooky until, until I came here. So there, there's that. But I, again, I was. You didn't see any vampires then? No vampires. Okay, no. good. Uh, sad to say. Not, none to report. Um, did eat a lot of garlic, though. It's kind of a thing in, in Transylvania. <laughs> um, so, in all seriousness, I was, I, I was born in 78, as I said, in, in Cluj. Then uh, we lived in a small town in, in Romania, mostly because uh, I, I don't know how much your listeners know about communists, but when the communists took power, they instituted um, a policy where everyone had to give up their private property. And you had to donate it to the state for you know for the common good, of course. But they had to donate it to the state. And if you didn't donate it, you were encouraged to donate it. And then after a while, you simply disappeared and your stuff was taken. So but one way or another, the state was going to get everything. Well, anyway, they set up these large collective farms, actually called the collective. And uh, these farms and, and, and everyone worked there in the town. So that's what we did. We we were there. My, my dad's job was to run this collective as... Um, uh, but he was a Christian, a Protestant Christian, and that was kind of not okay. So when I was seven, I remember strange people coming and showing up at our house. And this was the secret police. Um, they showed up at our house, and then they started showing up at random times more and more. And sometimes they would show up without our parents' home, uh, and uh, they'd just you know, sit there and talk to us. And it was kind of a thing. We just waited for mom and dad to get home. And after a few months of this, my parents one day told us that, um, that they were going to go on vacation. Uh, just the two of them and found out later that the, only the two of them were allowed to leave and, and sure enough they left and this was in uh, the beginning of 86 then in uh, 1987 in the meantime I moved to, 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 to live with my grandparents um, it was about a year and a half that we were separated from, from our parents it was myself I was the oldest at seven years old I had a little sister and uh, two little brothers that were younger wow. than her so we were split up at first eventually we were all reunited and then in September September of 87, if I remember correctly, we, uh, my, my grandparents came to us and said that the, we were told that we were given passports and we were told we had to leave the country in five days. 
So my grandparents put us on a plane, and um, and we flew to uh, from Bucharest at the time to to JFK on Dadom Romanian Airlines. Uh, we were the last to get off the plane. No one wait, was waiting for us because the U.S. government had no idea we were coming. Oh wow! And uh, however, TWA. Uh, did know that because we had a connecting flight. My parents lived in Portland at the time. And um, so TWA employee waited for us at the end of the the, the, the gangway there. And we uh, put us on a different plane, kind of walked us through the process. Nobody spoke English. Uh, I was the oldest, as I said, and uh, put us on a plane. It was a giant 747 that flew from, from JFK to... Uh, to Seattle first and then to a little short hop to Portland and it, what was interesting it was a largely empty plane so you have you know, four little kids one's barely nine sort of slap happy jet lagged running around the plane irritating all the few passengers that were on it uh, but God works in mysterious ways you know and there was a there happened to be a Romanian on that flight that was just sitting there going to Seattle and so first he told us off because he heard us talking in Romanian to each other and then secondly he asked us who we were and what we were doing and so we told them and he's the one that stopped us from getting off the plane in Seattle when the plane stopped remember this is all pre-9-11 people could go in, right, in and out right. all the way to the gate it was, right. it was a lot easier to, to, to do things in an airport than there is now uh, so we were going to get off when, when everybody when the plane stopped and everybody got off but uh, he stopped us and and so uh, thankfully we were able to, to get all the way to Portland uh, next short little flight and be reunited with our parents so when you came to the United States uh, you and your siblings didn't speak any English correct yeah, so I still remember uh, being you know, sitting in, in, in fourth grade, just staring at the teacher for the first uh, few weeks. And then after um, a few more weeks went by, I started to understand most of what was happening. And and then a few months later, I understood everything that was happening. I was still not confident enough to speak much uh, because it, 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 when you're learning a language, it's always easier to understand first than it is to actually speak correctly back and to respond. And so that took a little while to kind of to, to be comfortable with that. But look, kids are resilient. And especially the younger kids, they're going to learn much faster. I've lost most, if not all, of my accent, so most people don't realize uh, English is my second language. But um, but it is, and, um, uh, and 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 I'm glad. For what it's worth, I'm really glad that that I was forced to to learn English uh, early on in life because it's it served me very well. I have so many thoughts going through through my head, but one is uh, uh, you know the ESL programs. English is a second language right. where I think uh, it's become a real scam. Uh, you know, I served on the House Education Committee, and it seems like there's an incentive for schools to keep people in uh, these classes because they get an extra stipend from the federal government. And so a lot of these kids that are in the, you know, the English is a second language class, they never graduate. They never really learn the English language. You learned it in the course of a few months because you had to, and also because you're totally immersed, right? Correct. I, I, you know, maybe there is some benefit to that for the first few weeks, right? At most, right? For most kids, right? On, but on not the, twelve years. Uh, absolutely not. Actually, I do remember since you brought it up. Uh, this was in fourth grade. By fifth and sixth grade, they still made us go to these ELL classes. Some version of the ESL, I think, is what they were right. calling it back then. But they they still made us go to these classes. And they were a complete waste of time. I, I mean, I already knew the language. What, what am I doing here? Just sitting in this classroom. But we had to do it. We were told we had to go and sit there. And I think we talked about. All kinds of random things, the weather, whatever, but it didn't. It was, there was no actual education happening. It was someone was clearly trying to just check a box. The second.
second thing, and we're going to cut uh, for the news break, but uh, the second thing that I'm impressed with is that you came from a communist bloc country uh, where freedom was almost non-existent. Your, your land was confiscated. Um, and now you are the one of the most powerful people uh, in the Arizona state government. And everybody that I talk to notes how much you love uh, the Constitution, how much you love uh, the idea of freedom and uh, uh, what happens here in the United States when it comes to uh, distributing out equal opportunity, but not equal stuff. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I, I think I've said this in numerous ways and numerous different uh, times. The reality is I don't know that most Americans realize how good we have it here. Yes, we have our issues. We can argue about various things. But the fact that we have freedom, the fact that we have opportunity, we're a city on a hill. If all of those things are true in the United States. More than half of the world is trying to every which way to get here. That should tell us something about what we have. And, and, and the fact that Americans take it for granted is very frustrating to someone uh, with a background like mine. This is uh, Speaker of the House, Ben Toma. We're speaking with, uh, please stay with us here on KTAR. Next, uh, we're going to be talking to the Speaker about the GOP priorities for the state. So stay with us. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Good morning. It's Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead here on KTAR, and I'm fortunate to have the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives with me today, uh, Speaker Ben Toma. Welcome again to the show. Um, so, Governor Katie Hobbs, uh, she says you guys are mean. Are you mean? <laughs> Great question. I uh, <laughs> don't even know where to start there. I, you know, I, just thinking back at the last election, since we were talking a little bit before about that, it, it's true that, that voters elected her as governor, and it's also equally true that voters elected us, Republicans, in charge of the legislature. So we're in a position where we have to learn to work together. It, in, it, and it's easy to talk about bipartisanship, but then when it comes time to it, the, uh, the reality of it is it often is hard to work to, together. And we're all trying to get used to this new normal. Uh, in some ways, and I think if if uh, if one side's being accused or, or just going to default all the time to accusing the other of doing this, that, or the other, I don't think how that's going to move the ball forward. So we have a lot of serious issues facing Arizona um, with uh, these uh, interest rates uh, that keep rising. Our home sales have really cooled off uh, here in Arizona. We still have water issues. We have a teacher shortage. Um, we still have the horrible situation at the border that doesn't seem to be getting any better. And later on, we're going to be talking about the uh, the rancher uh, who's being accused of second-degree murder because he shot someone uh, at the border. Very serious issues facing the state. What are, what are the priorities for the GOP and, and can you walk us through uh, how we can maybe get to a more cooperative kind of a government? 
sure. I mean, you're absolutely right. There are quite a few serious issues that we're dealing with. But I do want to just take a pause for a moment and go back and just remind everyone that we are still in a much, much better position than we were, say, 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Uh, during, or maybe like 14 years ago now, uh, during the last, uh, right before the last Great Recession, we're in a much better position now. And there have been lots of good Republican policies that have led us here, including things like the flat tax, school choice, right. um, lots of debt payoff. Uh, we've been very responsible. And because of that, you've seen that lots of people are moving here. Correct. Which, uh, which has changed the, the situation in many ways, also has diversified our economy. So we're actually in a pretty good spot, all things considered, relative to where we were. Now, we do have major issues, as you as you correctly pointed out. We are a border state. The situation at the border is unacceptable. I was just talking to people from Yuma yesterday, and the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's slowed down a bit in terms of the number of people that are coming over. But still, this is a major problem. It's a major failure of Democrats in D.C. And, you know, stopping the physical barrier was a bad idea. Um, and, and look, I'm, I'm an immigrant, right? So I can honestly say I'm pro-legal immigration, but you have to secure the border. That's right. a national security problem. Right. First and foremost, so there's there's priorities, and you have to attack uh, attack those things in order. Uh, in terms of uh, what's next, I mean, I mean a budget's going to be a, a very big deal, and it, it, so far, what's what we've seen from the executive has been an irresponsible budget, kind of a almost like a DNC wish list, and not <laughs> and not not a real budget in any way, and definitely nothing that could be considered bipartisan in any way up to this point. So. You know, the process will continue. We're going to have knockout, dragout fights, uh, hopefully mostly in private, until we until we come up with a, with an agreement uh, on, on what's best for Arizona. But inflation has got to be at the top of the ticket. We have to attack uh, the situation, and we have to bring our economy and, and, and run away inflation back in control. And the governor, um, who won by the slimmest of margins, uh, less than 1%, actually a half a percent, uh, it seems to be acting like she's got a mandate. Her, her budget uh, is actually... Uh, very, very uh, robust, like you said, that maybe the DNC agenda. She wants to try to get rid of uh, uh, the ESAs that you uh, you actually sponsored, creating one of the best uh, freedom of choice and education laws in the whole country, and she wants to get rid of that. And then secondly, uh, she wants to uh, make abortion a priority. Why are those things maybe not the best way for her to be spending her time? Well, first of all, I think so thank you. You're absolutely right. I, I did champion ESA as it was a very big priority for me and for our caucus. And it remains a big priority for, for myself and for our caucus. The truth is that, that uh, Arizona parents, Arizona families want the freedom to choose what's best for their child. And who knows better? No one. With no one knows is. better. That's right. exactly right. No one knows better than than the parent. You know, I we didn't talk about this, but my, my wife and I have been blessed with five daughters, uh, it, and now we have six. One one's uh, we've adopted practically another one. Uh, but you know, among the five are our twins that are 16 years old and they're very different they're fraternal twins they're not identical very very different the way one learns the world works for one of them does not work for the other they're both bright they're both smart they're both going to be successful but the the we as parents same exact environment same exact 
genetics, all those other things. And yet, parent, turns out kids are different. God created you and me differently. That's the reality of where we are. It, it, the one size fits all uh, system of education is just nonsensical when every human being is different. So Arizona parents want this. Um, Arizona parents are actually demanding this choice, and this is a wildly popular program. So for the governor to start by saying, asking for the moon effectively, and then saying, I'll deal with you on those other things, it's, it's, it's a complete non-starter. There's nothing to discuss. We're going to move on to something else and uh, and hopefully uh, actually focus on the issues that we can get bipartisan support. So what you're saying is that the idea of actually working together to solve problems is a two-way street. It's not just something she can tell you to do, but something that both of you need to do. I think that's how relationships work. You're supposed to give on both sides, and that's what that's how compromise works also. Uh, yes, no one gets exactly what they want, but you can't start with something that the other side is never going to agree to if you're truly trying to move the ball forward. Look, we've passed a budget. It's a responsible budget. It is the budget that she championed and she praised just a few months ago while campaigning, and now uh, she's decided to veto that budget. Uh, so, you know, it, you can't have it both ways. It, you're going to have to be consistent, and, uh, and, and the reality of it is um, it is a two-way street, as you correctly pointed out. Uh, Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for fighting for freedom, and thank you for the great job that you're doing down there at the state legislature. Great hey, to have thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. So stick with us. Uh, next, we're going to be having the poll question, Gatos poll question of the day. I hope you stick with us. Uh, should be interesting. Matt Salmon on KTAR. The Gatos Big Q poll question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right, this is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead, and we're at that part of the show that I look forward to every single day when Larry Gatos comes on the Mike Broomhead show and talks about the big poll question of the day. So, Larry, welcome to the uh, Mike Broomhead show. Uh, what's the big poll question of the day? All right, Matt, it's good to be with you, man. So, I was like a lot of people in Phoenix. I rushed home. I, you know, put the television on. Seven o'clock game time. Suns in action at home. Kevin Durant's first home game, and then we watch him fall down in warmups. And now he might be out for several weeks. It was such a bummer. So my cue is uh, Sun star Kevin Durant slipped during warmups. He was ruled out of the game. Left ankle soreness. My thoughts were a not a great home debut. B, a wet spot in a basketball court ruined my night. C, maybe he should just play road games. And then D, I cursed. I cursed a lot. So that is just so Phoenix Suns or Phoenix sports. You're getting ready to watch history and all of a sudden a wet spot on the court may have him out for the rest of the regular season. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and I'm hoping that if he, uh, after the MRI today, they say that he can play soon, I'm hoping they keep him away from opening mail because I'm afraid he might get a paper cut. I know, seriously. you got to put this guy in a bubble and just let him play in the playoffs. That's all I want. Just put everybody in a bubble, let him play in the playoffs, and let's roll the dice and see what happens. Absolutely, Larry. I, I know all eyes were on the Phoenix Suns last night, and there was so much anticipation and hope uh, watching his debut game and 
boom, it's it's over before it started. Uh, you know, it's it's sad. But uh, how about those uh, playoffs uh, with the NCAA? Well, I mean, they're going to be coming up. We got March Madness, right? That's right. It's coming up. All right, and I, need get, I need to get my brackets ready so I can win again. I always win, Matt. I'm very good at this. I always win the KTAR pool, so I'm ready to go. Well, that's great, Larry. I'm going to probably take some notes on uh, who you pick so uh, and maybe some other pool I can win. All right, I'll text you, man. I'll text you. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Glad, glad to have you on and uh, thrilled to uh, be in for Mike Broomhead today. Uh, he did us proud uh, back on the East Coast, and uh, he'll be back uh, for you tomorrow. But this is Matt Salmon in for KTAR. And next up, we're going to be asking the question, does Fox News owe a gold-plated apology to Dominion Strategies? Next up on KTAR.